0: Hello and welcome to the Magical Traveling Moms podcast. My name is Tina and I am joined by my fabulous co-host, Miss Colleen. And we have a very special guest with us today, Mr. Jeff Barnes. He is the author of Wisdom of Walt and Beyond the Wisdom of Walt. But before we get started, we always like to take a moment to thank our wonderful sponsors of our show, Mystical Dream Travel mystical dream travel is an authorized disney vacation planner with disney destinations and they specialize in all things cruises all-inclusive the caribbean and mexico as well so if you're ready to plan the perfect vacation be sure to reach out to the wonderful agents at mystical dream travel you can find them at mysticaldreamtravel.com or look them up on social media Welcome to the magical traveling moms podcast, where your hosts, Tina and Colleen talk about all things travel from theme parks to cruises, to all inclusive resorts and more. They cover news tricks and insider tips to inspire your travel dreams. They love to travel and want you to love it too. Find out their best kept secrets and learn how to make your next vacation extra magical right here on the magical traveling moms podcast. So, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Magical Traveling Months podcast. As I said earlier, we have a very special guest, Mr. Jeff Barnes, and we are so excited to have him on our show. Colleen and I both had the honor of hearing him speak at the second annual Travel Advisor Summit in December. So, we're very excited. So, welcome, Jeff, to our podcast.
1: Well, hello, ladies, hello, listeners, and uh, it's an honor and privilege to be with you today.
0: Well, thank you. So why don't you tell our audience a little bit about your story and who you are, because it's very interesting. Colleen and I both (laughs) love it.
1: (laughs) So I am now the former Dean of Student Success Professor of Humanities at California Baptist University in Southern California, where I taught the world's only accredited college course on the history of Disneyland. And I'm now moving that class uh, to an online format starting in February. And naturally, that course was very popular. And I took the popularity of that class and translated it into two best selling books, which you've already referenced uh, The Wisdom of Walt, Leadership Lessons from the Happiest Place on Earth. And then Beyond the Wisdom of Walt, Life Lessons the most magical place on earth and um, i love walt i love disneyland i love walt disney world uniquely enough i don't just see the parks as an escape i see them as an example and i don't just see disney as the place where dreams come true i see it as the place that can show you how to make your own dreams come true and that's what the class is about it's what the books are about And now that I've left higher education after a 21-year career, that's what I'm writing about full-time. It's what I'm speaking about full-time. And it's what I want to connect with companies and audiences and conferences full-time to motivate and inspire people, again, to see their own dreams come true.
2: I love that. That is, I also find uh, the story of Walt Disney and the Disney parks so inspiring. And I, I completely agree with what you're saying, how we can use it as an example to inspire ourselves to do, you know, follow our dreams. And I just love it. I think it's a great message.
1: Yeah. And for me, and, and I, I talk about this in the first chapter of the first book, you know, the idea for Disneyland was born on a park bench in Griffith Park. Mm-hmm when Walt would take his two daughters on a Saturday afternoon and they would ride the merry-go-round and he would sit on this bench and eat peanuts. And he was like, why isn't there a place where the parents and the children could have fun together? And I genuinely believe that each and every one of us have our own quote unquote park bench idea. And the difference between Walt and you and me isn't that Walt was a genius, although he was. The difference is Walt got up off of his park bench and had the courage to take action. Yeah. And your idea might not change the world the way that Walt's did, but your idea could at least change your world if you have the courage to get up off of your park bench. And Walt said, all of our dreams can come true if what? If you have the courage to pursue them. And so I I teach the class and write the books and travel the country and the world, giving the speeches, hopefully using what we all love. And that, of course, is Disney to leverage those stories to hopefully inspire and motivate people to get out of their heads, because we've got that idea Uh and hopefully get up off of our park benches and start taking action. (laughs)
0: No, I love that. I love that. So we have a couple of questions for you um, about what inspired you to write The Wisdom of wall. What, what was your inspiration behind the book to start doing that to get off your apartment? I
1: guess. <laughs> so th- there are a couple of back or origin stories, if you will. First of all, I, I I grew up basically in the panhandle of Florida. And so my first trip to a Disney park was Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom in August of 1974. And I can remember stepping onto Main Street and just knowing if there really was a heaven, at least on (laughs) Mm -hmm. this side, that was it. I mean, (laughs) at at the ripe old age of 10, kill me now because I've arrived. (laughs) However, when I first went to Disneyland in August of 1988, I actually hated it. And and, really? and the reason why is it was too small. It was too hot. It was too crowded. Hmm. And it all centered around this attraction that had been heavily promoted in California called Star Tours. And oddly enough, the anniversary for the opening of that attraction was 35 years ago Sunday. Oh, and wow. I, I, I walked into the park And I didn't know anything about Disneyland the way that I knew Walt Disney World, other than the Star Tours thing had to be in Tomorrowland. And so I knew to go down Main Street, and I knew to turn right. And I asked a cast member, hey, where's Star Tours? And they said to me, well, the good news is you're in the right place for the attraction. You're in the wrong place for the line. And the line started way back at the beginning of Main Street USA. Oh my God. And wow. it took more than three hours for me to experience my very first Disneyland attraction. And you yeah. need to know, I've never lost my patience because you can't lose what you do not have. I, 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 I don't wait in line. And you know the idea that I'm going to wait three hours for my very first Disneyland ride and now, by the time we're done with Star Tours, it's it's even hotter. It's even more crowded. I hated the place by the time it was all said <laughs> and done. And uh, if you had told me at the end of that night that I would be doing what I'm doing now, I, I would have said you are absolutely nuts. <laughs> However, I, I'm a historian by heart and insatiably curious you know, Walt was once asked, you know, what does it take to be successful? And he said, it really comes down to four C's. And for Walt, those four C's are courage, confidence, consistency, and curiosity. And Mm -hmm. I'm just insatiably curious. And I stayed in California long enough to figure out, man, this place really matters to these people. And why did I hate it? And everybody else seems to love it. So I got Mm -hmm. curious about Disneyland and Walt Disney came to discover he wasn't born successful, you know, ooh, how many of us weren't born successful, had more failures than successes. How many of us have failed? And even at age 53, Walt Disney wasn't able to speak the words Magic Kingdom, and it magically appear out of an orange grove in Anaheim, California. I I just fell in love with the story. And so when I went back, I saw it through a completely different lens and having come out of my own sort of dysfunction and my own series of failures, realized that I could leverage the park from a completely different perspective. Mm -hmm. And again, it became not an amusement park, but really a theme park, the theme of failure to success and again that example rather than that that escape and then secondly and, and i talk about this a lot in the keynote when i first dreamed of teaching the college course i knew i was working with students who love disneyland and the principles of leadership and the principles of success they're universal they don't change what could i use as a vehicle for teaching those principles and, and I knew that, that Disney was it because mm. students in Southern California, they don't remember their first time going to the park. It's just always been there. Mm. And right. if I could take something that they knew and something that they love and leverage that, they might actually set up. They might actually listen. They might actually pay attention. And it, it was a bit of a hard sell at the university. You're going to use what as an academic course <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and give students... Credit seriously, <laughs> but I pitched what I called my Mickey Mouse idea, and they finally, you know, bought off on it. And I worked on it for a year: syllabus, curriculum, textbooks, guest lecturers, field trips. And after giving that first lecture, was then diagnosed with a life-threatening brain tumor, and I, I had to make a decision. Are are we going to have the surgery, which was going to put me out for a minimum of two months? Mm -hmm. Or am I going to serve as an example for the students? And that is when you go all in on your dream, which is what Walt did after the first bankruptcy in Kansas City. He didn't give up. He boarded the train for California, $40 single suitcase, one-way ticket. Mm -hmm. This was my $40 single suitcase, one-way ticket moment. And rather than having the surgery, I put it off for two and a half months so I could teach the class because it was never about the amusement park. It was always about letting the students know you got to go all in. You've got to overcome obstacles. You're going to face adversity in order to do something significant in your life. There's going to be risk involved. And I couldn't just walk away.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: This became the example and ultimately what the class was all about and once i taught the class had the surgery and went back to work the following semester that's when i knew not only is there a class here but there's a there's a book and a story to be told
2: wow i mean the whole idea of you teaching this college course is so inspiring and and the whole idea behind it but then the part about how you had, you decided to continue with the class, despite having a brain tumor that needed to be operated (laughs) on. It just, it makes it so much more impactful, right? Like it really, uh, it's so inspiring.
1: Well, but you have to remember for all of his successes, Walt Disney most wanted to be remembered as a storyteller. Mm -hmm. And when we think of story, everybody wants the happily ever after ending, right? But what we don't realize is what makes for a great story isn't the happily ever after ending. A great story requires conflict. Yes. And for me, the brain tumor represented conflict. And if you look back over what we have all experienced and all endured in the past, I want to say 18 months, but we're really Mm -hmm. coming up on two years, it's been one endless conflict after another. And so I tell people all the time, if you want to live a great life, make the choice to go all in on story, which really means embracing conflict. Mm. And I had to make the choice to embrace the conflict and recognize the bigger your dragon, the better your story. So true. I love
0: that. <laughs> yes, I love that. It's very true, though. It's very true. Now, you also have recently made another change in your life. You retired. From teaching. So I hate that is, word. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, no, I should have said <laughs> retirement. Okay. You made a change. Correct. Um, from your previous career to now you're doing speaking engagements and teaching more across the country. So, what inspired right. you to make that change?
1: So, so let me tell you why I hate the word retirement. I'll, I'll go to what okay. Walt said at the 10 year anniversary for disneyland which really was you know if you think we're going to rest on our laurels not true we're just getting started and then he talked about 40 million dollars worth of expansion at disneyland over the next five years which was really a distraction and diversion for what he was really up to Uh which of course was the florida project which would ultimately become walt disney world And so for me, I haven't retired. I really am, quote unquote, just getting started. I, you know, I just reached a point where, you know, over the past six months, I have been to Boston, Detroit, Kansas City, Marceline. I did a weekend in Orlando where it was five events between Thursday and Monday, Palm Springs, Las Vegas, all while being a full-time administrator and a full-time faculty member yeah I was signing books at one o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning. And you know, doing the wisdom of Walt is my dream. And yet at the same time, it was hard to enjoy my dream mm-hmm. because there were so many time pressures. And it really came, I, I was doing an event, an event at the contemporary resort in Orlando, and I was sitting on the stage. With Disney legends who were hired by Walt and then handpicked to go to Orlando and help open Walt Disney World 50 years ago, and there were about a thousand Disney fans in that room, and I had been thinking about making this transition for a a, a period of time, and you know the the concern was you know well you know are you going to make it financially? What about benefits? You know the same questions any of us, I think, would have. Mm -hmm. And I realized on that stage, there was a sense of joy, a sense of happiness, a sense of satisfaction that I had not felt in a really, really, really long time. And I finally just said, screw it. I mean, it was another one of those $40 single suitcase Mm -hmm. one-way ticket kind of moments. I, I don't care. This brings me more joy, more happiness, more satisfaction than anything else. And so I I, I came home from that weekend, and I I, I went all in. And and people have said, because I talk about this a lot in my signature keynote, the only way to achieve anything is to do what Walt did in Kansas City, and that is to board that train. And people have Mm -hmm. said, you're so good at this. Why are you trying to do both? When are you going to follow your own advice? (laughs) <laughs> and so I I, I I I I did it, and I, I'm so I, I'm I'm so happy that I did because it's giving me the opportunity to take the university class and move it online. I'm now not just working on the third Wisdom of Walt book, but another book as well. I hired a content creator just last week so that we can bring out not just what I was doing in the blogs, but Additional content as well. I mean, I have a big vision for where this can go and it not just be 100% dependent on me. Mm-hmm. So, again, it's not a sense of retirement. It really is a sense of we're just getting started. And, you know, the first day of it was a week ago today. And wow, it, it's like, why did it take me so long?
2: isn't um, that so true how often when we are we are scared you know to take that leap but after we take the leap we're like wow why didn't I do it sooner
1: yeah
0: yep yep I was in the same situation a couple years ago I worked a full-time job and ran the travel the travel agency full-time and when I finally left the with the full-time job which was in occupational health and safety it was the feeling of it after like, you know, that feeling is just exactly what both of you are saying. Why did it take so long?
1: Yeah. And I I love my career in higher education Mm -hmm. and it provided me the opportunity that I'm taking now. And I miss teaching. I miss my students, but I will continue to teach. It will just be in a little bit of a different format. And yet at the same time, I did an event on Friday with uh, a realty association here in Southern California. I'm going to be speaking for a Caterpillar franchise in Illinois in just a couple of weeks. And, you know, the second I made the different decision, new and different opportunities opened up. And that's what happens when you shift pieces in your life and give the universe the opportunity to send you exactly what you need.
0: Yep, exactly. So you mentioned you mentioned that you have a new book coming. Yes. And so can you share with our audience maybe the name of the book or a sure. little bit about it?
1: <laughs> so the first book focuses on Walt and Disneyland, which is the worldwide, I'm sorry, which is The Wisdom of Walt, Leadership Lessons from the Happiest Place on Earth. The second book is Beyond the Wisdom of Walt, Life Lessons from the Most Magical Place on Earth. And then the third book, which will finish out that trilogy, is the Worldwide Wisdom of Walt, which is the international parks and the cruise ships.
0: Ooh, and
1: I've had some chapter titles and some story ideas in a Google Doc for a couple of years, but nothing had been written until last week. And right. we actually started putting words into a document last Tuesday. So we, we, we are actually beginning to do the the hard work of the writing, I say all the time, everybody wants to be an author. Nobody wants to be a writer. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, but we're actually writing now. And it will require going to the Asian parks. I have been to Disneyland Paris and I, I will need to return to Disneyland Paris to finish this book. Oh, darn.
2: I know. Uh, I'm like, know, geez, that sounds terrible. <laughs> I know,
1: horrible. Um, but I, I'm, I'm excited about it. And you know, for me... You know, they're they're not history books because those books are already out there and they're great and they're not business books. Um, Those books are already out there and they're great as well. I only write these books if there are lessons that tell the Disney story that can connect to your story and my story. And, you know, I'm still doing the research behind the history of the international parks and the cruise ships. And it's just amazing to me how those stories have a way of propelling our story forward, mm-hmm. and you know I'm 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 finding stuff that I think is going to be again true sources of inspiration and motivation. So I I'm I'm excited. So for example, um, <laughs> this is the stuff that just really puts a smile on my face. The university that I just left were the CBU or California Baptist University. Lancers. And I came up with a subheading in the worldwide wisdom of Walt becoming a quote unquote free Lancer. (laughs) I mean, that's the stuff that just makes me really happy as a, as a writer, because now that I'm no longer tied to that job, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm free, right? I'm, I'm, I'm no longer a Lancer. I'm a freelancer. And you know, once you get into it, that's the stuff that, you know, comes to you. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to be able to do this again.
2: <laughs> I can't I wait just... to read this book. I I am very intrigued as to learning more about the history of those parks and the cruise line, too. I yeah. was
0: just going to say the cruise line because there's not much out there on the story of the cruise lines that mm-hmm. I've seen.
1: Yeah. And that's going to be so. a challenge for me because I use mm-hmm. um, what's out there to, you know, mix and match what I'm going to, you know, say to inspire and motivate. So that's going to be a a bit of a challenge. And I love the cruises. I had to go to therapy to get me on the first one.
2: Really?
0: Really?
1: Yeah, I was terrified.
2: Because of it just being a ship on the
1: ocean kind of thing. I mean, that's a pretty common fear being a ship on the ocean in July because I hate heat and humidity.
2: Uh, yeah. I
1: was like, what am I thinking? Why do I want to spend this amount of money to go and be miserable? Yeah. But but again, I love wordplay, and so I've already written that story and the subheading for that is titled cruise control.
0: Oh, I love <laughs> I, like it. It. I like it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So, you have done a lot of different things in your life and reinventing. So, what advice would you give to somebody who wants to reinvent themselves and finding the courage to do that?
1: Well, I think, first of all, you have to recognize that's the world we live in today. Mm-hmm. You know, gone is the day where you're going to go to school, go to trade school, go to college, enter into a career and work for 40 years and get the gold watch and, and, and that be that. I worked a lot with undeclared students, students who came to school and didn't have a major. And gosh, they just, they felt so behind because they were with students and friends and roommates who, you know, they all knew they wanted to be engineers or architects or nurses. And gosh, I'm so far behind. And I'm like, look, 70% of college students are going to change their majors at least once. They're, you're not behind. You're actually ahead they're going to change their major. They don't know it yet. You already do.
2: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: Think about Walt. Walt lived his entire life undeclared. I mean, he started as an ambulance driver at the end of World War II, or I'm sorry, World War I. And then he comes home and tries to work in his dad's jelly factory. And then, you know, starts off as an animator and then gets into live action, and then decides to get into the amusement park business, and then he ends his life wanting to get into urban planning. He was constantly reinventing himself, and the only constant in life is change. That's it. The only constant in life is change. And I can remember my mother changing the curtains in our kitchen when I was five years old. And to this day, God rest her soul, I've never forgiven her for it. Because <laughs> <laughs> <No. laughs> it change? We don't
0: like change.
1: We don't. you know. Our, we're, we're dealing with programming at both the conscious and subconscious level. And our brain is going to want to continuously return to what we know and what is comfortable. Right. Everything you have ever wanted rests just outside your comfort zone. That's true. Everything. And I can tell, I mean, I could have continued in my higher education career with a six-figure job until the day I retired, i.e., the day I died. And it would have been comfortable, it would have been mm. safe, it would have been secure but I wouldn't have had nearly the chance to crush what I think I'm about to crush. Hmm. So again, you, you, have got to be willing to change. You've got to be willing to mix things up. You know, I, again, I, I, I look at Walt, it it, it was constant upheaval, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, he was the only, he was almost the only person in Hollywood who was making money during the great depression. Hmm. Mickey was mm-hmm. that indomitable spirit that kept Americans going during that decade. And rather than maintaining the status quo and pocketing the money, he wanted to turn around and invest it in a full length animated cartoon, a, a, a little movie you may have heard of called Snow White in the 70s. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: And his brother Roy was like, Why, Walt? <laughs> stick to shorts. <laughs> stick to right,
2: shorts. Like, we, like stick we, to what we, we know. We're, we're making money doing this. Why do you want to change? <laughs> yeah,
1: we don't need to do this. Mm-hmm. And it, it it changed everything.
2: Imagine but, if he hadn't done it, you know?
1: Correct. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, <laughs> when when it came time to build Disneyland, Lily never believed in it. And Roy said to him, we are not, building an amusement park <laughs> and yet on 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 monday morning july 18th the first person to spend the first dollar to purchase that first ticket it was walt's Sorry. older brother roy yeah
0: yep.
1: so they all came around this. they all they came, all came around, around in the
2: end but in the right. beginning it was only walt that like saw the vision but that's it you got to do that you have to you are focused on your vision, and it doesn't matter what anybody else yep. is saying to you. You've got to keep going.
1: Yeah. If if everybody believes in what you're doing, you're not dreaming big enough, and yeah. you're not changing fast enough.
2: Yeah. Yep. yep. Such a power. Such a powerful message
0: absolutely absolutely well let's talk a little bit of fun things okay uh, for a few minutes just so we want to talk about disneyland and disney world and get your opinion on a couple things so we always like to ask our guests we don't really do favorites but we haven't found the right word to rename the word favorite so so we would like to know what is your favorite attraction at disneyland
1: well, I always tease folks and say it's the park bench inside the Main Street Opera yeah. House, uh, <laughs> yeah. which again was the source of inspiration for, you know where Walt came up with the idea for a place where parents and children could have fun together. However, mm. my favorite attraction is actually Space Mountain. And, it, and, it, and as I shared with uh, you right before we came on, I had a fall in Boston on Christmas Eve and currently have a broken rib and five thoracic spinal fractures. Uh-huh. And I'm still within two-year window of having surgery from a second brain tumor. I don't need or am supposed to be on Space Mountain in any way, shape, or form. I was at the Happy Place yesterday. I rode Space Mountain. Oh, I, no. <laughs> you know? I
0: don't mean to be cheering on, but... Yeah.
1: You're
0: so, no, Space... It.
1: Uh, and, and again, I don't necessarily think it's Disneyland's best attraction. I, I, and I always talk to people about this. There's a difference between what you think is the best versus your favorite.
0: Absolutely. I agree. I agree.
1: And I know I am at Disneyland about halfway through my ride on Space Mountain. It just put, it puts a smile on my face
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it tells me that I'm home. Yep. Well, that's perfect.
0: So where is your favorite place to eat at Disneyland?
1: Bengal barbecue.
2: Ooh, the Bengal barbecue is good. I like that.
1: Yeah. Yep. And I I say that I I have a horrific sweet tooth. I'm probably more known on social media for ice cream than I am even Disney. (laughs) So it's really tempting to like say a Mickey bar or, you know, Ghirardelli Mm. at Disney Mm. California Adventure. However. You know, man cannot live by ice cream alone. Yeah. I did not just say that. So, you know, and and I and I want to say Bengal Barbecue because folks on the East Coast, i.e., Walt Disney World fans, have probably never heard of it, mm-hmm. and it's it, it's sort of a hidden gem here in California.
2: Yeah, it is. Yeah, I wouldn't be sad if they wanted to bring it to Magic Kingdom. That would be no, nice. Oh <laughs> no,
1: because and, and this is almost blasphemy. It's hard to find good food at Magic Kingdom, especially quick service.
0: I 100 yes, agree. agree with you. Magic Kingdom, 100. Yeah. So what? So you like sweets? So I would assume your favorite sweet treat at Disneyland is it the classic Mickey bar? Absolutely. Mickey bar? No? Yeah,
1: I did an event for Nestle. A couple of years at Walt Disney World, and I just thought I died and gone to heaven. Cause, uh, yeah,
0: I would I mean, like I just, to know how they make the Mickey Bar to get that yeah. extra chocolate on the on I
1: the know. Bar. Well, and and I actually had a conversation with because I've always believed the Mickey Bar tastes better in Florida than it does oh, in California, and it's I because of the humidity. It melts a little faster in Florida, and that changes the texture and the consistency of it.
0: Ah, interesting, interesting.
1: Huh? i never thought about that
0: yes i haven't either so, and nice. i
1: hate the heat and humidity however i do like the mickey bars better there yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so now let's talk to disney about disney world so other than size uh what do you think the biggest differences between disneyland and disney world, walt disney world?
1: well i'm going to quote tony baxter disneyland hugs you walt disney world swallows you and oh, I'd be yeah.
2: never heard that before that's so true <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah and, and I, I mean i love going to florida mm-hmm. i love being able to park inside E. park in front of epcot walk in get on spaceship earth and walk out mm-hmm. um you know which you can't do in california however there's just something about the size scale and scope of Disneyland. I mean, you can just tell that Walt walked every inch of the orange grove here in Anaheim. Mm-hmm. And it it's just perfect. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Florida, it, you know, I mean it, it, it's just it it's 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 huge. And yeah. and I get, you know, it's more of a once-in-a-lifetime international come for a week, stay here. And and the resorts are as much a part of the experience as the parks themselves. Uh, it, it, yeah. It's a you consume it differently. I think is probably the best way to say it. Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. Well, I haven't been to Disneyland yet. That's I'm going out later this year, so I'm excited to experience land. So I've been to Walt Disney World many times. So right, right, right. I'm excited to see the difference. So, so at Disney World, what would you say your favorite attraction there is?
1: Well, it's tempting to say Flight of Passage because I love Soren, and I think Flight of Passage is Soren on steroids. Mm-hmm. And I can't write it right now, even though I was just on Space Mountain, but I do <laughs> know my limits. I love the original Hollywood Tower of Terror. In Florida.
0: Ooh. <laughs> um, <Tina. laughs> that is not my favorite ride. So we were just there in October. And I lost a bet and I had to ride it. I've only have uh, rode that ride three times in my life. And I just, I don't like the feeling of being dropped. So.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Which is fair. It's yeah. just, that's the far better version. And it's yeah. it's interesting because it's rare for Florida to get a better version. Mm. Uh, California, if you've only ridden Pirates in Florida, I would argue you have not ridden Pirates. Mm. It's twice as long here in California.
2: I know. It's amazing. So um, many I, more fun things in California.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think Space Mountain is the better version. You have Test Track. We have Radiator Springs Racers. Yes. They're not even close. However, Tower of Terror, and it's not, I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy mission breakout is cool. The original Tower of Terror, because you start in the back of the hotel go up to about the fifth floor and cross over like a dark ride makes that an unbelievable, phenomenal experience. And when they replicated that attraction, both in Paris and California Adventure, they saved money, which I get, and they increased the capacity by eliminating the crossing over the the, the room. And Mm -hmm. to me, that's like, the, to me, that's like the best part of the experience before you right. ever get to the dropping part.
2: Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, it sets you up. You know it. it right. Yeah. I did not realize because I don't think I ever got to ride Tower of Terror in California Adventure. So when I went, it had already switched over to Guardians of the Galaxy. So I did not realize that they didn't have the crossing over there.
1: Correct. Huh. Yep. So and so, what I always say is because we got the lesser version both in Paris and in California, we got shafted. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's That's great. So when you're at Walt Disney World, do you have a favorite place to eat? Like whether it's a quick service or a table service?
1: Oh boy. Favorite place to eat. Oh, Sci-Fi Diner.
0: Oh Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm giving a lot of love to Hollywood Studios.
0: You are giving a lot of love to
1: Hollywood Studios. Which is oh. interesting. And and for Christmas decorations, it's my favorite park.
0: Really? Oh, yeah.
1: Because oh. it, it just has this phenomenal mid-century vibe. Mm.
0: Yeah, that's true. They do. They do. They so too.
1: so I, I like Sci-Fi Diner and then uh, Yak and Yeti and Animal Kingdom.
0: <gasps> Yak and Yeti is one of my that's
1: favorites.
0: That's good, too. That's I love good. that. That's good, too. Most people go to Epcot for their favorite dining you know,
1: i i've had an interesting experience with epcot i always end up too hungry and it's impossible for, but like i i have a hard time deciding yes
2: so, a oh, lot of
1: options there's like too so, so many options <laughs> actually let me go back i keep forgetting the new barbecue place next to the american pavilion is amazing
0: oh regal, oh, Eagle. regal. Yeah. yeah so good yeah
1: Which, and and what makes it so good is before they changed it over to barbecue, it was the standard burger, chicken finger, Mm -hmm. like it was one of the worst places on property, Mm -hmm. like it was an embarrassment that that's what was the. (laughs) That was in the
2: America (laughs) Pavilion.
1: Yes, yes, And, and I love barbecue, it's one of my like favorite food choices. And now, like they turned it from one of the worst places to one of the best places on property. So if you've not eaten there, you you've got to go there because it's some of the best barbecue I've ever had.
0: Yes, hmm. I ate there. I was there for the fiftieth, and my daughter and I went down a day early and we ate it there for lunch. And I got a salad, like it was a barbecue chicken salad. It was oh okay, so a barbecue chicken I yeah, a salad. You, you salad, but it was barbecue. It was good. What is wrong with you? The the
1: the beans with burnt ends, amazing. Yeah. Oh my gosh.
0: Yeah, it is very good there. I do like. I agree. So, do you have a different favorite snack at Walt Disney World other than the Mickey Premium Ice Cream Bar?
1: The Cheshire Cattail at Fantasyland Mm. and Magic Kingdom.
0: That's my daughter's favorite. That's a good
2: one. Yeah, that is a good one. I think it's a a sleeper item too. Like, I don't think a lot of people like know about
1: it. I know, and and you can't get it here in California.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah,
0: I did that, know that. Is interesting. Hmm. that is interesting. Well, we have one more last favor to ask of you. So we always like to leave our guests with a little bit of uh, pixie dust. And it, we like to say that that's a favorite memory or a favorite experience that maybe you've had on your vacation or at Walt Disney World or Disneyland. So we're wondering if you could share a memorable moment with our guests.
1: Oh, memorable moment. Wow. I think back in 2016, when I was not able to do the rides for two years, and unlike this time, I actually followed what my neurosurgeon told me. Mm-hmm. I went from July 24th of 2014 to July 24th of 2016, not riding anything. Not, well, I mean, I rode Small World and, you know, Peter Pan and that kind of stuff. Yeah. On, on July 24th, of 2016, I got probably 100 or so text messages, because the book had come out the year before, and I had written in there about waiting in line, i.e. patiently anticipating the day when I could get back on my favorite attractions, and the book had done really, really well, and people had sort of taken to heart that I was waiting for July 24th, 2016. And I was sort of overwhelmed by, you know, how many people cared enough to, like, reach out to me and say, hey, today's the day, we're excited for you. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, the, the idea that, you know, because I didn't think I'd ever write the book. And then the idea that it would get published, that it would actually sell, and that it would resonate with readers enough that they would, you know, care enough to say, hey, you know, congratulations, you made it, hope, you know, hope the day's, you know, going great. So that was cool. So
0: great. Nice. I love that story. Thank you so much for sharing. And thank you so much for joining us today on our podcast. We really appreciate it. We'd love to have you back when the next book comes out. I'm excited to read that book so much. So so thank you, everybody. Be sure to, oh, one last thing before I say goodbye, Jeff, where can everybody find you?
1: Absolutely. So you can find the books on Amazon, both The Wisdom of Walt and beyond The Wisdom of Walt. And I think more importantly, you can find me at thewisdomofwalt.com and you can sign up um, for the email list, sign up for the blog and keep up with everything that's going on, whether it's the online class currently full, but we're going to have new sections moving forward on the future and keep up with future book uh, releases or any other content that's going to be released in the future again we're just getting started and we're building this thing out one day at a time
0: well thank you very much jeff and thank you to our audience for listening today and be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast and you can find us on youtube and until next time may all your vacations be extra magical